0: Hello, beautiful people. Thank you for tuning in the Triple Whale well Network. This is brought to you by The Founders Dash, our new forever free plan. You can get all of the awesomeness, of, or most of the awesomeness of Triple Whale. Well. So you're gonna get a 12 month look back, you're gonna get net profit, you're gonna get access to the iOS and Android apps. You can have all your metrics in real time, anywhere you want. All you gotta do is go to triplewhale.com slash founders and install the app today and get ready to ride the lightning. Enjoy the ship.
1: Something we're actually testing our WinBack campaign, which I brought it over to Italic. And that is running on a cost cap, actually, funny enough.
0: I'm exposing all these things in the hobby.
1: <laughs> You're killing us over here. It's the only one I'll run on a cost cap. And the reason for that is that exact reason. We run membership ads there, and it's because it's super predictable. I will never run cost caps on prospecting until I change my mind when I test in January. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of
0: your favorite DTC podcast, Ad Spend. We got a scorcher for us. This is some really fun offline prep work that I've been doing for this. We got Avi Aurora, lead of growth at Italic, formerly of Cuts. On the mic for us today, friends of Ash, and I'm really excited to get into it. Avi, how are you?
1: I'm doing good, guys. I'm excited to be here. It's my first podcast, so I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Let's strap in. And then, as
0: always, I have the co host of AdSpin, my partner in crime, the best looking Indian out there, Ashvin Mowani. Ash, how are you doing? How's the Walmart stuff going? You got some cost cap updates for us as well, I hear.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, life's good, man. We, we, uh, a little bit about Walmart. We, started showing up on the shelves like a week early and we had no idea until like somebody in our community was just shopping was like hey like i just spotted it and we're like wait this wasn't supposed to actually come out until like the end of this like we were supposed to launch this week so we were kind of scrambling to make sure that our marketing efforts were in place but we literally got word back from them saying like hey we're like slowly rolling it out um we're only in maybe 10% of the stores right now But like the initial projections are like really good so far. So super excited to see what happens when we're rolled out nationwide. But it's um, as big as Walmart is. It's one of those things where it's like you can be as organized as possible up until the minute. And then it's just like whatever happens, happens.
0: So we're at that point where it's like the balls will land where they land. And that's it. So the Mike Tyson. Everybody has a battle plan. And so you get punched in the face. I love it, man. It's (laughs) uh, I've been following along and it has been super, super cool to see. So. I fell down a little bit of an Instagram hole and I I actually got some sort of business interesting stuff out of it. There's uh, this guy, we were kind of talking a little bit offline, but Willy Wacky Snacks, it's uh, willywacky.com. And he, it's, it's great. So like basically the hook, it, I, I watched like 10 of these and it was crazy. The guy's literally in his warehouse. So for uh, people that don't know Willy Whack, basically just sells these crazy exotic, like Snickers, Doritos, et cetera, et cetera. These really weird flavors like from Thailand, or not weird, but uh, you know, exotic flavors from all over the world. And he literally has people just comment, will you pack my order? And he packs the order on screen. And I was just blown away by it. And now I'll probably end up gonna buy some stuff. And this was 0% paid. It was is all just a guy doing a really simple thing. What are your t- What's your take there, Ash? Are you going to start packing Avi orders? Wh- what's going on here?
2: I'd like to, man. I mean, it's one of those things where like those videos that go viral and people just kind of like answer the comments and it just continues this like virality, right? And I think TikTok's algorithm does a really good job at just naturally retargeting the viewers of like other people's videos so like for example there's like i see this all the time where somebody like especially i guess recipe bloggers or whatever it is they'll like drop the finished result of say like a like a pizza dough or a pizza whatever it is and it's like i'll drop the recipe like next week or whatever right i don't necessarily follow this person i'll probably like it but then like tiktok does a really good job of putting that follow-up video back on my for you page when i'm when it's launched so i think there's there's a lot to be said about like you should always be interacting with the comments that come in on your page, because it just, it starts hitting the same people. And organically, if you start increasing that frequency in which like people are just seeing your brand, I think it can do really, like it can do wonders for sales, right? Like, just like you said, like the fact that you're just seeing it constantly now it's like well cool maybe i'll just buy something and, and see what all the hype is but i really think this this type of strategy especially with like answering comments with videos is like brands should be doing this non-stop and like the organic strategy that people need to focus on like this is just a part of it and um it's such an easy thing to just like pick up and start doing
0: yeah and avi i want to get your uh input here but i i couldn't agree more and i also think there's a a little bit of a meta level to this as well of like you don't like these aren't high production value videos this guy's literally has a little shitty lav mic and he's just a fun affable guy and it also in my opinion aligns with uh, kind of the, the term i'm gonna steal from you is the congruity like the the cohesiveness of it is so fun because it's essentially the same format over and over but everybody's order is different and all these things that he has to choose from in terms of items are so quirky and random. Like there's like Thai shrimp Doritos. There's a uh, beef tartare Lay's, there, you know, butterscotch Kit Kats. And the, and so it, it makes it feel fresh, even though it's the same format. So I don't know. I just love seeing entrepreneurs kind of hack the system in a way where they don't have to grow off of paid purely and they build this foundation of evangelists. But Avi, what's your take on it?
1: No, it's super interesting. I, I've seen this guy on TikTok a few times in the past and kind of my look at it was the virality virality comes from applying to comments, you know, customer engagement. It's one of the most important things out there. But as you were mentioning, the products on there are so unique that it's going to get somebody's attention. Steak tartare chips. I've never heard of that in my life. I kind of want to try it. I know. And more than anything else, he has so many products on his website. If you go on his website, there's hundreds and hundreds of products on there that you've probably never heard of in your life. But because of how many orders he's getting, some product is going to show up at some point and it gets people excited about that product that they've never heard of otherwise. And I think the combination of both those things is one, bringing that audience back. So the people who already like it, Ash, like you were mentioning, when they reply to comments, when they like posts, when they Um, just show up on people's feeds, they'll keep seeing it that way and it'll entice them to buy eventually. You're going to see something you like enough to go buy. I know I I have. And then the other side is it just gets you exposed to these new things that you've literally never heard of. And for those that, you know, maybe they didn't find it so interesting um, before, maybe they see you know, a flavor they like or something like that, that drives them to the website. So I think the combination of both those things has really helped him gain its virality. And then, you know, it's just super organic. People, people eat that shit up. It just seems it's a small business. He's building it out of his like garage, it looks like.
0: Yeah, no notes. Couldn't agree with you more. Ash, I want to talk to you about spending at scale. Both you guys have spent a whole bunch of money um, getting almost to, you know, just really high daily spends how do you do that so we we've talked a lot about kind of like the The smaller ad accounts. So normally you're either constrained by capital or efficiency, right? Like, hey, Ash, you can spend $100,000 this month, no matter how good or bad the ads are, that's as much as you can spend. Or, hey, Ash, I need you to hit Xmer or whatever that KPI is, and you can keep spending into oblivion from that. When you have that and you're starting, do you guys, and Avi, I know you spent a ton of money over at Cuts and you guys are spending up a lot of ad spend over at Italic. Just kind of take me through that thought process. Uh, It's, I think, a bit different because you just have different problems. Um, so Ash, tell me, when you're scaling your ad account, you start to get to these really big spends. How are you thinking about creative? How are you thinking about deployment of capital, campaign architecture? What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think um, when we were spending a ton, right? And, and a ton for us really was like 20 to 30K a day. I feel like after 30K is when we like really just couldn't keep efficiency. And so when we were spending those, I think the account strategy has always been like a very consolidated approach, right? So literally one campaign, one ad set broad, like a CBO and literally all of our winning ads in there. Right. And as we were kind of leaning into how performance was going, if we had like a really solid seven days, cool, the next following seven, can I bump up budgets accordingly? Right. And so Typically, these times were in Q1 and Q4. And so it was very easy to ramp up spend, say, I'll give you an example, last December, right? I think everybody was starting to see the same where like post Black Friday, pre-Christmas, if you're not like a gift giving type of product, which we weren't, we saw like a very dead period up until literally the day after Christmas is when things started to pick back up. And so you start to see that and you start to lean into that. And that's where... Again, keeping things very consolidated and just testing. Uh, I'll talk about testing after, but um, keeping things consolidated. And when you do find that conversion rate start to lift, let's start to push a little bit more on the budget, right? So that's literally, I would bump my budgets like 19%, right? I don't want to trigger learning at 20, but 19% every day. And we went from like 5k a day back up to like 20, 25k a day um, in the month of January. And it was easy because efficiency was holding because that's our time. That's our like health and wellness period, you know, new year, new you type of thing. And so that's where I would lean into, you know, am I being efficient? Great. The other side to that is at that same time, when you're pushing up, Yes, you have to be testing creatives. And again, I'm gonna touch that in a second, but CRO here is so important because if you can make those like 10 to 20% swings in your favor, when you do bump up ad spend, obviously efficiency is gonna come down a little bit, but can you arbitrage that and say, am I getting a little bit more efficiency on my conversion rate? More than my drop in efficiency on paid. And so that's like this constant battle between increasing ad spend and like increasing your conversion rate or AOV on the landing page. And then the second part is testing creatives, right? I used to preach like, oh, we used to test like 40 to 50 creatives a week. I'm starting to think like, or not starting to think, but I, I'm moving away more to quality over quantity. And so the way that we're kind of doing it is anywhere from maybe six to 10 creatives a week, because I know out of that six to 10, like maybe two or three are going to be like rock stars. And those rock stars will last me a couple weeks, right? So if I can turn those out weekly, then I'm, I'm golden and then I'm happy. But yeah, I think it was very, very... Simple consolidated structure: one campaign, one ad set for scaling, and one campaign, one ad set for testing, and just graduating where we could. And then I think also moving in and leaning into ASC probably was I, I I guess I guess it was more Q two where like ASC was gaining a little bit more traction, but that's when I was kind of like leaning back from from scaling as well because like we're we're now hitting Q two and then Q three being summer, so that's the way that I look at it. I mean, you guys were spending way more than I was. So would love to hear how you guys pretty much handled everything.
1: Yeah, Um, I'll I'll start with the account like structure part. I didn't talk about creative testing a ton. And I'll talk about in terms of December specifically, but early last year, like midway through last year, I want to say, and especially um, early this year is when we realized like we needed to make a big shift in our account strategy. And before, like I'll say transferring, like our account structure was a mess. It was very hard for me to understand our own account structure sometimes. And that was because we were going based on, we had a ton of different product lines. We had, you know, pants, shirts, outerwear. And it made it really complex, not just for like from a system standpoint, from in platform. And preaching consolidation there to make learning easier and things like that. But even from a maintenance standpoint, it was hard for me to go in the account and change budgets around and really understand what truly was happening. So earlier this year, we started doing this kind of around October last year to a small extent. But really this year, we went through a massive consolidation where we had a creative testing campaign, which I'll talk about that in a second, how that worked. And then we had basically our BAU core prospecting campaign. This is a broad prospecting campaign that our top creators would go into. Um, it was a CBO and then we had ASC. Then we did a little bit of retargeting. In the retargeting, it was mostly DPA ads, like just testing different angles, reviews, offers, things like that. And then Winback, which Winback was actually really huge for us. It crushed. I know this, you know, here and there a lot of people believe Winback's worth it or not, um, but we ran it. It worked really well for us. What we actually saw, and I'm kind of jumping around here a little bit, was, Ash, I know you mentioned kind of December, right after Black Friday went into a lull for you. That actually happened to us um, a few years back. And I can't take full credit for this strategy, but our Facebook rep recommended one thing to us, which totally changed the course of our December um, in 2022, is instead of basically launching similar creative just with gifting messaging or even launching it in um, you know a copied campaign basically treat it like you're resetting your whole account. So obviously you'll still keep your winners. You'll still keep everything else. But what we did was we launched a brand new ASC campaign and a brand new, just a BAU core prospecting campaign completely from scratch, all new creative. We didn't copy a single thing over. We literally went in and pressed every button from scratch. And you know, whether you believe it, whether you don't, what my kind of hypothesis there was, and same as his is, you've hit so many people during Black Friday, and um, if they haven't really bought during that time period, there's something during in that messaging that hasn't resonated with them. And what we wanted to do during gifting is really just change up that messaging. So if you saw any of our ads during that time, we went to the mo- middle of the Mojave Desert, we blew up a Christmas tree, we did something super flashy, it was a fun shoot. And it really, you know, while that creative didn't drive a whole ton on its own, it really boosted what our evergreen creative was doing, interestingly enough, because it was driving a whole new audience segment that didn't resonate during, you know, our best sale of the year. And it gave them a really unique angle. So all of that basically to say is consolidation over everything. Before, at some point, we used to go product-based split, but now we just went, um, you know, the different steps of the funnel. And then when you're really getting into December, I really would preach the most important part being refresh your creative, refresh your account, give the people something new. um, Because they're honestly tired of seeing the same same old thing. You've hit so many people at that scale of spend. The second part at that spend, and I know Stevens talked about it quite a bit in a few podcasts or a few things he's talked about, is creative testing. We tested like mad men over there. We would refresh our creatives every 10 days. And the reason we decided to do 10 days was, one, just based on our creative team's bandwidth and made sense to refresh creative every 10 days. But it also gave us enough learning on what was happening. So the way our creative testing process kind of worked. And I I think this is one of the biggest wins that we had um, earlier this year was we had that creative testing campaign. In that campaign, this would be the only campaign that was at an ABO. And the reason behind that was every concept would have its own ad set. And within each concept, there would be a ton of different, really unique variations of that one ad. That way, every ad was getting the same amount of spend. You could understand truly what were the wins, losses from any given ad. How can you... Improve on it. And within those, you know, leading metric was ROI, that was CAC, looking at um, what is driving the most efficiency. But then we could look at some of the engagement metrics. How is the click through rate? What's the hold rate? What's the hook rate here? And how can we improve that for some of these other iterations? And then the winners would go into our course structure and we would repeat that process every 10 days. We would have a weekly creative meeting where the entire creative team would sit down, the entire market, a lot of the marketing team would sit down. We would brainstorm creatives. We would work with the creative strategists who would put together these awesome briefs. and it would just pump out creative like that. I know I jumped all over the place um, there on you guys, but um, creative consolidation and just refreshing your account and really giving people unique angles is kind of the GLDR. How about budget? So budget was something that was super interesting. Um, In December, kind of like you were mentioning, we we were able to go 15% almost day over day um, leading into... Christmas, and even a few days after that, when we would look at budget, a lot of it intra channel, I would use something like triple whale or just a multi-touch attribution to see which campaigns were driving the most efficiency. And then we would look at that, what was happening in platform and just kind of correlate the two together and see um, where that's happening. The harder part, as we all know, is trying to figure it out within different Ad platform. So between Google, between TikTok, Facebook, and even influencer, where's all this coming from? And I know there's a million tools out there multi touch attribution, MMM, GA, last touch, however you want to go about it. My kind of the way I went about it wasn't super scientific, unfortunately, but it ended up working fairly well for us is we would take the multi touch attribution, we'd take what's happening in platform and we would take what's happening at a business level and just start to triangulate in on you know where are we roughly on efficiency here if we increase spend 10% here hold everything else the same how does efficiency change and it would just be a constant game of that until we're finding efficiency and then we'd scale everything and repeat that process
2: all right so you quite literally were just bumping up budgets from i mean you guys probably were hitting six figures a day during like black friday and stuff right so is that quite literally just bumping up and making sure you guys are still efficient.
1: Exactly. I would work really closely with our CFO and I'd basically say, Hey, give me an AMER target. As long as I'm above this, let me keep spending. And usually that's what would happen with that said. I think Black Friday, a lot of the work that happens during Black Friday and a lot of kind of the efficiency you get is everything that's been built up over the last three to six months. And it depends on your product, right? Like cuts, we were a $54 t-shirt. It wasn't a cheap price point shirt. And there was a little bit longer of um, kind of a consideration period. So all of the traffic we were gathering throughout the year, all the influencer posts, all the organic traffic, all of that was really just dumping out during Black Friday, which really helped uh, my case to be able to spend more and keep that efficiency. But at the same time, obviously, you're running this great off. It's a great time for people to try the product out. So you are naturally more efficient. But yeah, really, it was give me an AMER target and let us just keep going until uh, we hit it.
2: How do you guys think about LTV from acquisition during those times? If you guys are just like kind of slamming spend, you have a really solid deal. Like you said, they're expensive shirts, they're high quality for sure. But if you start acquiring a ton of these like discount buyers, how do you guys think about that? I guess following you know months after that
1: the primary goal there was really just be first person profitable during black friday and because of that the ltv it mattered in the long term but that was kind of the most important part there the other side of it is we and this is all hats off to our email marketing manager we we did a really good job of educating our customer after and giving them really unique things to come back to right we had our weekly kits we had friday projects and I can't take credit for any of these things, but it really brought customers back and kept them intrigued. And even if they were trying something and maybe they didn't uh, like it the first time for some reason, or they were looking for something else, these really unique products that would come after and this general just brand education helped retain them over the long term and then being first purchase profitable, even worst case, everything goes wrong. You made money on that first order. Rabbit, what do you think about that?
2: Because I, I feel like the conversation is kind of shifting and it, it's, it's also shifted internally for us, right? I think the biggest thing for us has always been like, we know our LTV numbers, we know what we can afford on an acquisition. Like even if we are losing a little bit on, on the first order, it's always been, we'll make it up an LTV, right? Now, when you have those conversations of like, okay, we have Black Friday coming up and we're, we're acquiring discount customers, that LTV is technically like something that you should be worried about, but you won't really know until six months later. And these are more mature businesses. But if the conversation is switching towards, all right, you have to be break even or profitable on the first order. Does the LTV consideration really matter at that point?
0: I mean, it's a really great question. I, I always get squeamish with LTV because nobody can agree on a lifetime. And so I like to use maybe like a, a year, maybe two years and extrapolate across maybe. I, I really like almost like a year because I kind of take a meta digression. I've been playing in the CDP and making these like audiences with the parameters. And I almost think of like returning customers in different cohorts, right? So you have like evangelists, people that purchased three, four, five times in a year. Then you have kind of these active customers, people that have purchased, you know, within three months or something like that, at least a purchase within three months. And then you have these inactive customers, which maybe haven't purchased in six months. And then anybody that hasn't really purchased in maybe nine months or more, like I consider those lapsed customers where I almost treat them almost the same as a new customer. And so with that kind of model in mind, then I would combine kind of looking at the cohorted data of... Because what I've seen... I've seen pretty much every variation of Black Friday customer Vike. these people are actually really strong LTV customers, but it literally takes you a whole year to get more money out of them because they just spend literally their annual budget for X every Black Friday, Cyber Monday, because they like the discount. So that's not to say that they're bad customers, but if you have some capital constraints and you need to recoup that value quicker than 12 months, then it's like, okay, that doesn't make sense. I've seen people that you acquire the group honors who are just terrible people that you spent all this money to, acquire them and then they never come back and then you get some people that are you know decent customers but on average so the way i would look at it is one your your business constraints and then two your cohorts essentially and see what kind of your last year's cohorts look like because my belief of black friday sub monday i love it i mean it's like god's gift to marketers but a lot of times you're just pulling revenue forward. Where like these people were gonna spend the revenue with you, you're not generating revenue with either net new customers or really great customers. And so that's my only cautionary tale of Black Friday, Cyber Monday is like don't over-index on it, but ensure it's a money grab and make sure it's efficient. And so I think that, and if you do that, then you can back into some LTVs, but I do not think uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday is like a high target LTV fertile ground where you need to be fine. other thing is they might be, but they're just all drunk on deals and sales and stuff, and you don't really necessarily want to connect with them at that time in a less meaningful manner.
2: I think it might be a good transition into um, Black Friday plans and how, how you guys are thinking about that. I know, so Tapcart put out a a, a survey, just just stats and everything. Um,
0: can we give a shout
2: out to my boy getting
0: on the green screen? It was great. Yeah, you nailed know, yeah. it. Was a, the green, was like, the green it was screen, the Hello, I, oh god. I, go yeah, I know. Up. It's a great. It I know, great.
2: I know. It was cool. It was cool. It's a great video. Uh, for first time doing that. So some of the stats were actually really interesting. So this year compared to last year, sixty-seven percent of consumers are like really excited about Black Friday sales versus seventy-two percent last year.
0: Not a crazy it's difference. A decrease, but yeah. Decrease,
2: right? So when I, when I think about that, it's like. I feel our strategy is going to shift a little bit this year. And and it's mainly because of business constraints meaning that like, hey, we we just just produce a fuck ton of inventory for, for Walmart. Um we have to be very conscious about how much we actually have for D 2 C and like how much we can allocate towards. Um so our biggest thing at Avi is like every year we do like free gifts, right? So earn up to four free gifts, you know, the shaker cups, the tote bags, the this and that, whatever. I again like just capital constraint. We can't do all those flashy things right now. So the way that I'm thinking about Black Friday is like, we used to do a whole month long thing. We're actually considering just launching that week off instead of like trying to, like you said, pull revenue forward. So um, in order for us to do that, I think it's going to be like a very simple sale, um, very like come out with like a really high quality gift. So one of those things, I don't know if you guys have seen athletic greens, right? They have their shaker or their cup, whatever. We want to do something very similar, like high quality. When you get it, you feel it, you know, I think for us it's one of those things where like, let's just do something because also another stat that tap cart put out was a good amount of people's budgets that they have allocated is anywhere from a hundred to $500, right? And so I would imagine that it's probably leaning or skewing towards the lower end. So I want to be conscious of like offering these complex deals and just being like, hey, straight discount. Here's a free gift. Let me take up some of that budget that you have set aside and just like nail that. So that's just how I'm thinking about it this year. Curious what you guys thoughts are on that.
0: Uh, Avi, I want to hear from you, but I candidly love the approach, man. Like I said, it, it, I don't, you know, there's a time to be exotic and fun, and really, that's in the summer when you really have to figure out how to make things work. And then there's a time to just get your butterfly net out and catch dollar bills. And knowing when to do what is uh, really important. And again, obviously, is a function of what stage of business you're at, what your goals are, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of what I know of what your goals are and where Avi's at, and where you want to go. I think it's a brilliant way to think of strategy. Um, Avi, I want to hear your take. And then I want to hear how you guys at Italic are kind of thinking of um, acquisition. Cause you have a little heavier vector of gifting um, than Ash is um, does at Avi. So the stage is yours.
1: Yeah. I couldn't agree more on the simple offer thing. This is something that I talk, we've gone back and forth about a little bit is because of how our business is set up, right? Like we give you super high quality goods at almost supplier price point. So it's always been like, do we want to do discount? Do we want to like do as a gift? There's a lot of different ways to go about it. But I think Black Friday is the one time a year, no matter what brand you are, unless you're Louis Vuitton, you go on sale, you make a very simple sale and you make it as easy for consumers to buy as possible. And that kind of goes back to what i was saying about at cuts last year like this is a time where people are trying your brand if they're if you're acquiring them for the first time or two you're pulling revenue forward from returning customers but right now at italic our primary goal is like let's go acquire as many new customers as possible let's make sure we're ready and set up for december gifting season a lot of times actually from what i've seen and granted and candidly i'm I'm still new at italic but december has almost been as big if not bigger for us than what we've done during black friday and getting a lot of those customers kind of excited about just italic high quality products in november and giving them a really great reason to buy helps them come back during december and gives us a really strong powerful gifting time of year so what we're going to focus on this year is one really simple, really enticing offer. There's some inventory things there. But also two, what are kind of those products that we want to make acquisition products during those times to then create really long-term, high-quality customers, but especially for gifting. And so we're pulling data internally in terms of what is the first purchase product that we've seen that brings back customers the most, whether it's for gifting or even for themselves, but especially in December and trying to acquire customers off of those.
0: Yeah, I love that, man. I and I love the idea of using different products for different stages of the funnel. Because I couldn't agree with you more. There's, it's so important not only on the first touch to have a really great experience, but um, to your point, they they can also be gateway products that open themselves up to um, different pathways of consumption, which is which is huge. And um, being cognizant of that super, super important. I I don't think all products are um, built for paid media. And so having that is is a really astute observation. I love that. Melwani. How are
2: you guys?
0: uh, Are you guys thinking about creative?
2: Right? Like, are you guys working on creative in advance? Like, do you guys have like, okay, I need X amount to deploy? How are you guys thinking about that?
1: Yeah, so it's interesting um, that you brought up that you're running yourself for one week. We're going to probably run ours for two. And the reason behind that is so we can get that learning on creative. How I've always gone about creative, one, the creative itself should be as simple as possible. As a best case, put your offer as big as you can, possibly can, on a screen and run it as an ad. I promise you it'll probably be your best performing ad during Black Friday. It'll be better than anything highly produced. But two, how we kind of think about creative, how I like to think about creative during this time is in flight. And I usually will go, there'll be kind of a week one flight. If you're spending a ton of money, maybe you do this in uh, three day increments. We're probably going to do it in five to seven where it's our kind of like our best bullets, right? Like the very simple ads. We're going to try a whole bunch of things of diversification there, but it'll be very simple ads nonetheless. And then the next week, when we really get into that week of Black Friday, we have all the learnings from the, the first week and we're rapidly just making ads to redeploy that are taking all the winnings from that first week. So it's a combination of kind of those two things. And it puts a lot of pressure on our creative team um, the week of, and especially that weekend in between to pump out creatives. But I, I think it's such an important time that if you can optimize those early learnings, you can have a massive actual Black Friday week. The other thing we'll do is or Black Friday day itself, for Cyber Monday day itself, we'll have a special offer go out, and we'll usually run special um, creative for that on top of what we're going to be running for the rest of the week.
0: I know you guys have some high SKU counts over there. How do you think of like DPA in terms of like Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and just in general? Because I I don't know if it's true or not. Dan over at Marpipe says it's not, that you don't need a big catalog. But how do you think of handling all your SKUs and like how do you guys approach uh, dynamic product ads?
1: So we used to split it out by product category. And at, like, like I was saying for cuts like a year and a half ago, it honestly just becomes too complicated. It becomes too fragmented. And I have... A lot of faith in the Facebook algorithm. I whenever I tell people about you know how performance marketing works, I say I'm gonna talk about Facebook like it's a god. It's not a god, but it's basically like a god. And it it knows who to give what type of product to. And that's why we primarily will use DPA and retargeting right now, because it figure it, it's really good at matching back to those people. So we'll keep it as broad as possible. The thing we will test for DPA is we'll test different copy, we'll test different overlays, ads like that. So like right now, I think we're testing two or three different types of copy variations one which is a user review copy one which is like our free shipping offer and then one which is like our welcome offer and this is all in a cbo just to give the algorithm you know options in terms of what it thinks people will resonate with but in terms of our skew count and it's certainly been um a very big change going from you know just the men's and a little bit of women's apparel to all of these different lines we we keep everything fairly into one
0: are you guys on the dpa train ash you guys you guys are pretty anti-dpa right i really want to i think the biggest thing
2: is like our catalog just keeps getting rejected for like supplements and stuff so like it's just one of those things yeah no you're right you're right no that's a great
0: call i would love to (laughs) yeah i mean i've talked to dan about it and i'm like i i need to get up and running but we just can't no i'm with i i've ran some supplement ones and uh the dpas are weird or they'll only let like the you know tier two tier three products on you're like dude i don't want to run ads to those like (laughs) stop it that's not what i need facebook no i'm totally tracking there Hello, wonderful humans. Thank you for tuning in to the Triple L Network. And if you could take seven seconds out of your day and do me a big favor, jump over to the Shopify App Store. We just launched our Founders Dash and we would love a review from you. Thanks so much for being so awesome. Enjoy the show. Milwani, let's wrap up on some cost cap updates. Are you still? I, you know how many messages I got from because of that from you? Really? So uh, <laughs> you owe me a dinner or something. But so so many people are interested. Like, what's he doing? What's going on? Blah 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 blah. I should do that for my business. So I thought that one. I, I forgot what tweet it was, but I thought it was really great. Of like, this isn't necessarily like uh, stock investment advice. This is what you're doing from your perspective, and I think you do a really good job of kind of like saying, hey, you know, one of the best pieces of advice on media buying I've ever heard is do what the ad account likes like ad accounts are like relationships have the one that makes you the most money or the happiest don't worry about if somebody has this type of relationship configuration like and candidly like while i'm on my soapbox i'll use my time on here i think that's my work from home take as well where it's like i think there's some places like personally i enjoy in-person stuff but i think there's people that do it great remotely as well so i mean i think just having a clear stance on that i don't think there's a right or right or wrong there but anyways back to uh the subject at hand yeah, the the tweet I think you're mentioning was more of like a
2: a preface to what I'm going to put out, whether it's in the newsletter or a thread on on, on Twitter. But there was certain things that happened in the business that led to that decision. Right. Um, and, uh, and I've talked about it. I'm not going to go over it again, but briefly, it was whitelisting through influencers who were very big and and COVID right and so i needed to get away from this audience that we were that we were targeting and that was the the move for a new ad account new facebook page new pixel everything right the second thing was my business right now needs to be extremely efficient and profitable and that's why i leaned into cost caps right so Basically, the account will spend when it when it feels like it can and it it won't when it feels like it can't. Right. So some updates on it Um, week over week, which is really interesting. I have like just a week over week performance. Our contribution margin per customer is increasing week over week. And so I'm seeing efficiency growing. Um, Ad spend is maintaining, if not growing as well as we start getting out of this summer slump. Right. And so that's what I anticipated happening is that summer being this like, you know, slow lull period for, for some brands um, as we get back into back into school, September, I, I would imagine the shopping is going to start to increase. And that's we're seeing that trend in our spend. Right. So, for example, last week, one of our best weeks in, in since we've done this is on Monday, quite like literally we spent five K in ad spend, right on Sunday, I spent twenty five K and it was efficient. So what I'm saying is that it's going to have these like days where like you're like that Monday, we were super, super efficient. It was like a 5k spend at like a, a 2x uh, new customer ROAS. My break even is a 1.4. But then Sunday comes around and I'm spending 25k and my break even is a 1.4. I'm slamming 25k at a 1.6 all day, right? So I'm slightly profitable, but I'm acquiring the volume that I missed in the week. So I'm seeing these like nuances happening where people are like, oh, like, volumes like a a factor here it's like you'll make it up when it needs to and so that's where I'm trying to like just see how these things go and I'm learning what the ad account likes for example like if I come off on a Sunday doing really well if I leave the bids where they are on a Monday Monday's crap so I need to bring down bids before Monday starts and then it starts picking up on Wednesday. So Wednesday halfway through the day, I'll, I'll bring bids back up for the for the weekend. So those are the things that I'm learning how the ad account is reacting. And like, yeah, those are the things that are, that's going to take time. But once you start leaning into those things, like I, I feel like you can if again, your business needs this, it's something to maybe consider. But if you know you're, you're focused on, you know, volume, you have really good recurring revenue, you have the money to, to allocate towards like pushing volume at maybe break even like I need to make a profit on every order right now. That's my goal. Right. And so depends on what the business needs and, and, and that I, I like the strategy. And like I said, like it, it feels different. It feels fresh and I'm enjoying doing it. So that's been that's the update on on the cost cap situation. <laughs>
0: Ashbin Melwani, the cost cap crusader, not the hero we needed, but the hero we deserve. <laughs> Unbelievable, this guy. I love it. Um, Avi, what are your takes on cost controls? Are you into... Oh, uh, before I jump to you, Avi, um, Ash, somebody was asking, do you think you will ever implement a bit cap strategy? Yeah. So the bid cap strategy,
2: I think, is if you like really want to be efficient, right like it won't spend unless it hits this like there's a there's a cap right i think with cost cap you have that flexibility of being around where you need to be and if if we didn't have recurring revenue i'd probably do big cap but because we have recurring revenue i can be okay with like certain
0: days being like eh, you know so
2: i'd probably stick with cost
0: cap i love it great answer avi thoughts on cost controls thoughts on ash his uh just uh, nuke and rip, run me, to and then, rip yeah, me to shreds. Just rip me to shreds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> give me, give me the real, real.
1: I was surprised when you went to cost caps. If I'm being honest, um, I've tested cost caps. Never been a huge fan, but like Ash said, I think it's totally business dependent. Right? For us at Italic, we tested cost caps when I first started. It wasn't giving us really anything at all. But because we have such good um recurring revenue, we have our membership program, which is I would put it up against any membership program out there. It's probably the strongest um membership program. We're able like for break even or even if we're at a slight loss on acquiring a customer on first order, we're totally fine with that. And we're able to we're in a mode right now where we're just trying to acquire as quickly as possible, as many as possible. And you know, obviously I'm not you know going and getting two hundred dollar cacks any ever. Um, with our efficiency where we're at, we're we're basically break even, if not better, and the LTV that we get from our members and just our uh, returning orders in general. Cost caps haven't been something that we've needed to remain efficient. With that said, I think like January, February, some of those really slow times for us as a business when we've kind of, maxed out during November and December. It's something that I might test again just to keep efficiency during that time and then maybe switch it back. But I've been fairly averse to cost caps. The other reason being, in my eyes, I think you have to have a strong trust in the Facebook attribution system. um, And it understanding like, hey, this is efficient, but is it really efficient at a business level? And so far, every time I've tested it, it hasn't correlated well to what being efficient at a business level. And at the end of the day, I don't really care what Facebook is saying in terms of attribution. Like I was saying earlier, like, I try and triangulate on on um, what's truly happening, so I don't trust Facebook to spend um, whatever amount of money it thinks is efficient because I don't um, I don't think it matches up with what's happening at a business level. And at Cuts, we did some uh, um, inquiry into this, and we're going to continue to do it here at Italic to figure out how it's matching up with what's happening in platform. So far, I haven't been a huge fan because of those reasons.
0: Avi, you said no trust and no trust. Where'd where'd my deep faith? Where'd the worship and the
1: algorithm go? That was a a quick turn, brother. (laughs) That was fast. I'll I'll clarify myself a little bit. I have a lot of trust in Facebook putting creative in front of the right people, putting the right messaging in front of the right people. I don't have faith in what it's reporting back to me in terms of efficiency there. That's why I don't believe, I don't think GA Last Touch is a great source of it. I don't think um, even Google Ads in platform is a great source of it. That's why I like using um, a multi-touch attribution because it'll give me something unbiasedly. But unfortunately, what's happening in a multi-touch attribution or what's happening in a business level isn't what facebook is reading in its algorithm so because of that i don't trust its efficiency but i trust to my grave who it's delivering uh, my creative to i feel like that part you kind of have to yeah <laughs> but
2: one point there when you guys are i completely agree with you in terms of like the attribution however when we did move to one day click only so zero view or anything like that it does match up and and even so facebook underreporting so like if facebook for us says for example a 1.1 or 1.2 roas on on platform on like triple whale my my blended it's like 30 to 40% above that so like probably like a 1.5 1.6 right so i know like i've i've just measured this and like i've tried to like find a correlation between the two and yeah, it's very difficult because like, even if you have the delayed, if even if you have like a ad that rips, right? The next day, the attribution, the delayed attribution could make that CPA look even better just because you have a ton of like data coming in after the fact. But yeah, on a, on a blended level, like on, a, on like a seven day window, things look a lot better than like on a day to day. And that's where I've had to like really analyze things on a seven day window. And to your point, like it's just one of those things where you just have to like either trust it or you don't. And then just measuring whether it's like literally on a Google sheet, just putting in weekly data and then triple L too. So
0: I fully agree. Enough of this blasphemy. <laughs> Trust the algorithm, folks. Now, uh, <laughs> here's a, a hypothetical for you all. Moana, you guys have subscriptions. Avi, you guys have memberships. Any thoughts on running campaigns around those with either bid caps or cost cap controlled there? Because you know if it hits, it's a really high LTV product. And if it doesn't, it just doesn't spend out. Would that be something on your radar as you expand the... uh, It is a little bit of a no-no because you are making your marketing, you know, um, or you're in ads manager. You're making a little bit of more complexity there. But it seems like a match made in heaven, right? Like if you can spend at X, like if I, the, the old ad... Adage of like, oh, if I can get people at X to spend Y, I'll buy them all day. And you literally can do that now.
1: I don't hate that idea. It's something where act- we've actually tested in our Wimback campaign, which we're running- I brought it over to Italic. And that is running on a cost cap, actually, funny enough.
0: I'm exposing all these things in the hobby. <laughs> You're
1: killing us over here. It's the only one I'll run on a cas- cost cap. And the reason for that is that exact reason. We run membership ads there, and it's because it's super predictable. I will never run cost caps on prospecting until I change my mind. And when I test in January,
2: we'll have to revisit that.
1: <laughs> but
2: I like it. I, I think it's a great idea, Roba. Um, I'm thinking of trying it for when we launch Paw Rangers because I think we'll lead out with subscriptions. Because once you once you get something for your dog on subscription, you're like the chances of you leaving are like very slim right like i have a dog i have food um there's a company called yeah exactly so it needs to be almost like that monthly cadence mm -hmm. so like food right dog food like i'm doing two scoops a day this thing will deliver on the exact day that i need it if i'm like serving correctly and i haven't canceled this thing in like three years so like and i don't think i will because she likes it No problems, like vet says she's good, she's good. I'm not gonna switch it up. Now, when it comes to like maybe supplements, especially something like a joint support, that's something where it's like, as they get older, they're gonna need it. So it's like, just keep giving it to them, right? Like when you give them their food or whatever it is. So for me, I think we can probably lean into cost caps, especially when we first start. Like we're gonna start this business with like, obviously an investment, there's gonna be cash in the bank, but like I need to be extremely efficient launching a new brand, right? Especially if we're doing paid. Do influencer and get organic up and running and get some traction, but on paid, I'm probably gonna start with cost cap and let I guess maybe go a little bit more aggressive on the cap, thinking that subscriptions will be recurring and 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 and, and have that high LTV. So I really I really like it. There's another uh, another brand. Um,
0: you guys know Jack Rubin,
2: Purdy and Fig.
0: Yeah, him and his brother. There's G's great humans. So
2: they're they're all in on cost caps. Their their products are all subscription and so the way that they think about their model is exactly this. It's like I know my subscription numbers. I know I can afford up to X amount of CAC. Let that just be the the cap on my advertising and just let it rip.
0: So I love that strategy and model. Plus ten points for a Purdy and Fig call out. Well done, Ash. Well done. Avi, this has been a blast, man. How people how can people get a hold of you, get in contact with you? What should they buy on Italic? This time's yours, my friend.
1: I'll start with the Italic call out. Check out some of our home stuff. Um it's ripping, it's fun, it's really, really comfortable. I just moved into a new apartment. I had to deck everything out. I'm not super active on Twitter. I think I'll have to start being active on Twitter after this. Just search my name Avi Aurora. Same on LinkedIn, Instagram, Avi. Aurora underscore. But dude, it was it was so much fun talking to you guys. Ash, I'm excited to hear how this cost cap thing keeps going. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll change my mind next year.
0: i love it i'm gonna keep everybody updated man with vitamin shop in the rear view i need a i need a new shtick i feel i feel a little bit r.i.p but uh you know we'll we'll get to your nearest walmart go buy all the avi just grab it all up and just start smashing it in there in the no no don't do that (laughs) but definitely go get you that avi ash go get it i'm reimbursing people so if you if you want to go
2: send me the receipt i'll reimburse you but yeah, if you want to want to connect with me
0: on Twitter at Ashvin chew on this another podcast uh has been fire lately went went m- went micro viral and not even micro like proper viral with her i bought his book I, I i'm on the fence on Hermosi i think he's brilliant but i also think it's like a uh there's i don't want to say regurgitated. i'll say one thing okay yeah g- give it to me because I, yeah i didn't get a lot of hate but there was some comments shack he was saying how
2: it was regurgitated and it was just one of those things where it's like you like this is just known. It is what it is. The point here is the reason I wrote the thread is because like, there's a lot of new marketers coming into the ecosystem that are coming onto Twitter. It's like, it's still a topic. It One, it's trending. Let me get ahead of it. Two, it's informative for the newbies. And I want to be in front of those people. So that's what I'm here for. And it is what it is. But I agree, Rob. It wasn't anything new, but worth talking about. So.
0: Paticus endorsed it, dude. Patrick campbell uh formerly of paddle or profit well excuse me acquired by paddle he's one of my like human muses he's just a blue flame thinker he endorsed it so i was like ah, man i need to get it but you know i don't have super high hopes i think that it's it's i think like fundamental marketing is kind of in the same vein of like uh, self-help like once you find the one or two self-help books that really resonate with you and like give you some frameworks to move forward then go and act change um versus like i put put a different way i don't think he's going to give me new New ways of looking at marketing, but I think he'll reinforce a lot of things that I needed to hear again, where it's the old Marcus Aurelius. Oftentimes you don't need to be, um, informed but rather reminded and so yeah i'm excited about it Get a little, Give give her mosey some fundamentals are important they're, they're everything candidly dude and even the people that are these crazy outliers still have a really strong core of fundamentals they the other thing is uh when you know the rules it's kind of easier to break them as well so that's kind of the joke about getting an MBA all right folks speaking of jokes i got to go to the mothership i did uh rogan's comedy club last week it was awesome it was really cool yeah it was a bunch of killers on a like random wednesday night it was really cool mawani did you already t- you plugged your mentor pass? chew on this is crushing it harley's coming up right yep
2: uh last episode season finale, season finale. um uh, we have some pretty the last three episodes are pretty big so stay tuned subscribe subscribe like comment whatever you gotta do are you going to sin lane conference I'm not. I am heading over the other way, heading to London, see some family. Ooh, that's exciting. Yes. But there's another conference that Elevar is hosting in October. I will be attending that. South Carolina. So Charleston,
0: South Carolina. Oh, Charleston's, Charleston's chill, actually. Charleston's, I've heard it's a cool city. All right, folks, if you want to get more involved with well, we are at triplewell.com. We actually just launched our new Founders Dash. It's sensational. It's the artist formerly known as the summary page. You get a 12-month look back, and it's all forever free. So no excuses. Go sign up. Go use the same dashboard that my beautiful Ashvin Wawani uses and 6,000-plus other stores. Uh, what else we got? We got Whalemail, fantastic newsletter. It goes out every Tuesday, Thursday. Um, sign up right at triplewell.com slash whalemail and then any comments reviews anything like that that you can leave subscribe to the youtube channel speaking of the youtube channel if you do want to see how epic ash's geek out hoodie is they used to do good gear man they used to do some pretty strong gear uh to be fair you, you you're pretty i still have my whaleys hoodie from you so good yes you guys can do some fun gear you can see all the podcasts on youtube if video is your preferred format thanks again that is another episode of ad spend in the books ash avi i really appreciate you guys and the time and we'll see you guys next week Bye bye